Welcome to Houghton Wesleyan Church. We're glad to see you all today. Please stand for the call to worship. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Father God, thank you for giving us this opportunity to come together and worship you freely. Humble us so that we might worship with all that we have and all that we are. Breathe your spirit into us this morning that we might learn of your boundless love and ceaseless grace. It is in the name of your righteous Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Welcome to our service today. I join with Luke. What can a guy ask for? His grandson here and his grandson there. And it's Father's Day and happy Father's Day to you. Greet one another in the Lord today. Our Old Testament reading for today comes from Psalm 119, verses 1 through, six, one, bleh, sorry, 1 through 16. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the singing of the doxology. ask that you would take our small gifts and bless them for your greater purpose. Grant us joy in our giving as we remember who you gave us, sacrificing your own son, Christ crucified. Amen.
God is doing his work in us, and therefore we can come to him and ask for forgiveness and ask for his help. Join me in the bulletin. You'll find the prayer of confession for us all. Join me in prayer together. Let's pray. Most gracious and loving Father, we cannot hide or deny our sins any longer. Our self-centered attitudes, decisions, and behavior, we hurt one another. We hear your children's cry for help, but do not respond. We feel the burden of sin all around us, yet we are so focused on ourselves that we give little time or energy to others. We doubt your unconditional love for us and your everlasting desire for us. Father, forgive us. Turn us from self-focus to Christ-focus. Open our eyes to see and hear your passionate yearning for us. Lead us in the way everlasting through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Just before we continue in prayer, just like to mention that Pastor and I and, and the other pastors have been contacting some of the people that we pray for weekly in the bulletin. It's not just a you know, cut-and-dry list that's there till eternity, but we want to know how God is working in the lives of people. And recently, Pastor has been sharing some of those. I just wanted to mention that we got a, a wonderful long letter from Cheryl O'Brien recently. As we inquired how the Lord is doing in her life, we've been praying for her for months. And it's an amazing story. Pancreatic cancer, not a very good prognosis. She was overseas, flew home, family gathered, all the doctors and so on. And the doctor said after the surgery that the chemo had preceded. There was chemo and there were doctors, but this was God. It just kind of pulled out with all the vessels and everything in place. They didn't even need the neurosurgeons that were there. Now, it's not a complete cure because now she's a diabetic, but she is thanking the Lord for that miracle. And we've been praying for months, and I just want us to praise the Lord together that he answers prayer. And he's answering prayer for many. And so let's continue to pray for those. I won't mention everyone on our list, and somebody I was going to pray for said, don't pray for me today, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, we get embarrassed sometimes, but let's join as a congregation in prayer together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of gathering here in your name. We worship and praise you for inviting our prayers and your loving kindness demonstrated in the life and healing and saving work of Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for providing the written word of God, revealing your gracious will for our lives. Thank you for your countless blessings, family, friends, church family, for protection and safety. Heard of one of our families today, this week whose daughter was spared in a dangerous accident with a semi-truck, and yet she walked away. We can't take these things for granted, and so we give you thanks so much today for your blessings. We do pray for all those on our hearts and minds, on our sheets of paper, listed, and we pray each week. People going through daily physical struggles, leaning on you for answers. We do lift up today 
in particular, Dan Gurley and his family as he faces uh, more tests this week and then later in the month, actually surgery and radiation for the tumor in his eye. Lord, we're just trusting you for you to answer our prayers on their behalf and our behalf. Lord, we ask today for your presence with Pastor Wes and Cindy Oden on their time away and sharing with family. We pray today for Pastor John Cole and his son Luke as they've arrived in Spain for a Christian youth sports camp and John will be counselor. And and we just pray that you will bless them and make them strong witnesses for you. And others who are serving short-term overseas right now, just arriving in East Africa, Ben Hageman, leading seminars for a host of grassroots, frontline workers in the Muslim world. And what a privilege and opportunity, but we pray for strength and help as he spends these busy days with them. The Moors, Dan and Kathy in Perm, Russia, and others who are serving you. And of course, our long-term friends and servants around the world and close to home. We have WK, uh, Royal Family Kids Camp coming up and other camps and the Houghton ministry teams are going out and we just pray that you would bless them in all the ministries this summer. Thank you for WKFM and for the children this morning and for all those who serve in many ways in our church. Think of other churches in our area and today we hear of the Haven Arrest Church in Black Creek Pastor Lockwood, we pray that you would bless them in that place. Help them as their neighbors to many of our good Amish friends and just may their lights shine for you. And bless us where we serve and work and travel to be good witnesses for you. Lord, we pray for the leaders of our country and our world, those in authority, as you've instructed us to do. We live in a needy, troubled world. Refugees who are stranded somewhat in Israel from Eritrea and other parts of Africa. Boatload just arriving in Spain after wandering in the sea, wondering if anyone would take them in. The issues on our own borders which trouble us and we would love to see solutions and working together in our Congress to really settle some of these immigration laws. Lord, we're being specific. These are things that are on our hearts and minds. You know the struggles of others, those who have arrived in Buffalo, and yet we hear stories of good things you're doing. Thank you for Houghton students and other Christian friends who are serving people. Not only there, but in our own county, in our prison, and amongst others who are needy around us. Lord, Help all these ministries done in your name and done for you and to you to be blessed by you, we pray. We lay all of our burdens and concerns to you, on you. We are yours. Help us to represent you. We rely on your Holy Spirit day by day. And bless us in the remainder of this time of worship and learning as we consider the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our New Testament reading for today is Matthew 4, 18 through 20, and Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Afterwards, the children are dismissed for children's church. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him.
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord.
seated. A few things here that I want to remove so I don't get lost. And Good to see you all on this wonderful day. Today's message is brought to you by the letter D. Some of you know what we're talking about there. D-Day. Twelve days ago, on the 74th anniversary of D-Day, I sat for a few minutes with retired German professor Bob Cummings up in the nursing home, learning about the day he landed with his company of Army engineers and was already trudging over thousands of bodies of slain heroes on the beach. Their mission was to free Europe from Nazi occupation. We owe such a great of debt to these people, Bob, his generation, and all who served on that undeniably greatest of D-Days. D-Day is actually a term the Army uses on many occasions or on other occasions, but this, I guess we can honestly say, was the most strategic D-Day in history. By the way, his family was here. Bob's family was here in the first service, and I didn't know that. And uh, that greatly touched them. They said he only talked about that years and years later. And you know how that is. That's a serious D. Less serious, we could talk about your favorite sport, D, the defense versus the offense. We could promote our favorite delicious food. Ice cream especially when we're missing it this summer at certain places. (laughs) Even on a little more cerebral note for some here, we could debate which symphony in D, let's say D major is best. Do you have your favorite D major symphony? It's got to be Brahms' second D major symphony. All right. I was waiting for somebody to argue with me on that. So the bulletin already gives away today's D. It stands for discipleship. And actually, this is a major theme in the Gospels, the life of Jesus, and in the book of Acts. I'll be looking at several of those passages. We already read the two that were kind of like a sandwich. The Gospels, Matthew telling us the first disciple called, and then at the end of the same Gospel, Jesus commissioned sending those same disciples out to make more disciples. Just so you know, uh, we're breaking the psalm tradition for a few weeks, or some of us will. Pastor uh, John Cole and Pastor Lori Smalley will be preaching, and we decided together, I mean, I decided for them together, that we would preach on discipleship. After all, we're the children's disciple, the youth disciple, and the adult discipleship pastors of your church. So we have a responsibility And I gave them a signed reading from one of our own members here and board member who has written the book on discipleship. And I tell you, first half of it is really a whole study of the history of discipleship, different types of discipleship in the church from John Wesley to Dallas Willard and everybody in between. But a great look at the book of Luke and the book of Acts. It's uh, Don Little's book, Effective Discipling in Muslim Communities. And... uh, tremendous book. And we've been reading it, and I think actually John did a better job, and he's going to preach on some of that stuff too. 
Well, we're, we're, we're familiar with discipleship, right? In various fields. A disciple is an avid student or follower of another, especially in some of the academic subjects, philosophy, history, science, art, writing, music, even in athletics. We have our favorite teachers, our gurus, our coaches, our mentors, our heroes. We want to copy their way. We want to learn from them. We even see it in families. He's a chip off the old block. (laughs) Like father, like son. And so we, we are saying Happy Father's Day to you here. And we'll talk a little bit more uh, about parenting in a few minutes. More on that later. But I want to keep this quite basic. But of course, we'll just start with some Greek so you think I, I'm a scholar. Uh, the word is mathetes in the New Testament. Mathetes, did I say that right? A student, exactly. A teacher, I mean a learner, a follower of a teacher. Someone who adheres to the lifestyle and the teachings of another. Now, Jesus wasn't the only one who had disciples. The Gospels tell us that John had disciples who came and wanted to ask questions. So John's disciples. But mostly the Gospels refer to the disciples as the 12 disciples. So go ahead, go to sleep, relax. Because I'm on, no, I'm not going to just talk about the 12 disciples. Luke also mentions a whole crowd of disciples who were there on Palm Sunday. And Jesus said, and I think Lori's going to talk about this, whoever wants to be my disciple and goes into the cost of discipleship. In Acts, disciples emerge as the name for the followers of Jesus. It says the number of disciples was increasing. They won a large number of disciples. They strengthened the disciples. They stayed a little longer time with the disciples. So, yes, disciples is us. It wasn't until Acts chapter 11 where the disciples were called Christians for the first time. The the earliest followers of Jesus were disciples. Not just the twelve, but all the others who were around. The word Christian came later. But I keep devouring this little book by John Stott, his last words, his last book, The Radical Disciple. And Stott says that the word Christian may have become construed to be less demanding than disciple. So we prefer Christian. We worry about disciple. But he says genuine discipleship is wholehearted discipleship. Radical discipleship is actually the norm for Christians. That's what we're called to. Disciples are us. Now, right up front, I want to be real theological, too. Because the rest of this is quite simple. But I loved in Stott's book, he talked about Christ-likeness as the aim of discipleship. And he shows how this was God's plan, this is what he's doing, and this is what he's going to do. Notice in Romans 8.29, yes, Wesleyans read these verses, God predestined his people to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's why he chose us. That's why he called us. It's his eternal purpose to be like him, for us to be like him. And the 2 Corinthians 3.18, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed or changed. There was some of that in some of this uh, hymn that you sang for the offertory. We're being changed from one degree of glory into his image. 
This is the present work. God is working on us as disciples right now. That's why we have prayers of confession. Then 1 John 3, 2, one of my favorite verses. I think it was the first sermon I preached in seminary for a practice, you know. Dear friends, now we are children of God, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's our future destiny, to be like Christ. So in other words, this discipleship thing of making us like Christ is God's whole plan. Now, that was about as deep theology as I'm going to get to. Do we dare to be called disciples? Let's dig just a little deeper, but with a rather simple text. The one that you heard Luke read earlier from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Come, follow me. Aha, bad slide, my fault. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. But slide or no slide, you get it. It's real simple. That's our message for today. Jesus says, come. That's the invitation, the call to discipleship. So Jesus spots in his earliest days of ministry these fishermen by the Sea of Galilee, Simon and Andrew. And he says, come. They could easily have said, we're busy. We're fishermen. Life is good as it is. Give us a few months, even a couple years. We'll come along then. No, it says they dropped their nets and followed him. I realize there, this is the text of him calling the original inner circle of 12. But a few chapters later in the same book of Matthew, you hear Jesus saying these words. I think they are our call to discipleship too. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Be disciples of me. That includes all of us. So have you heard and responded to Jesus' call? It's the Holy Spirit of God who does the calling. We don't initiate it. It's not our ingenuity, our curiosity, our cleverness, even our strong desire that initiates this call. It's Jesus coming to us. He tugs. He calls. He speaks in a variety of ways. Sometimes it takes a long time. And sometimes you're adults. But I believe there are children who are called to be his disciples. And it'll grow. But it's for all generations, all ages. You can say, well, I, 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 I don't qualify. I can't do this. I'm not interested. It's too heavy for me. I'm too busy for now. I'm even too sinful. But this I know the Bible says. God's call is for everyone who will accept. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, yes, theological again, I know. But God wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So I believe the call is there. And uh, when sometimes you preach something that you, you want to fight against a little bit, you need to hear the words of my African preacher, Pabai Bangura, the first preacher we heard up in Kamabai when we were learning Creole, and it was my first Creole sermon, and I heard him say this in Creole. See if you can figure it out. So, so Jesus calls all of us. There's nobody that needs an excuse. 
Na to me talk em, oh, na God talk em. Na to me talk em, oh, na God talk em. You understand that one? <laughs> it's not me saying this, it's Jesus saying this. God says this. Na to me talk em, na God talk em. So that's the call. It's, a, it's an invitation for everyone. Even everyone down at Market Basket or over at a Rapids game or over in uh, the Walmart or at your place of work, they all could hear God's call if we listen. So when we come, what are we called to? Simple sermon. Follow me. The journey or the commitment of discipleship. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the rub. And so those men followed him. Those women followed him. They did it for three years from village to village, around that lake, down the Jordan Valley, into dizzying cities of Jeru- the dizzying city of Jerusalem. They listened. They learned. They questioned. They changed. They saw his compassion. They witnessed his miracles and his healing. They watched him pray. They hung on his words, radical words about the kingdom of God, about loving others and forgiving your enemies, the Sermon on the Mount, about being born again, about forgiveness of your sins, about loving your neighbor, serving, suffering willingly. Yeah, that hymn was a little somber before the sermon. I thought maybe some of you were going to go to sleep. But those were part of what Jesus calls us to, even suffering. So attending this school of Jesus, they stumbled and failed and stretched and grew and longed to be like him. They awaited the day when, with the coming of his Holy Spirit, they would spring into action, discipling others. So now I I will try to define discipleship. I've been reading these books. They quote Dallas Willard. They quote John Wesley. They quote everybody. Here's Paul Shea's definition of discipleship. I hope it passes muster. Discipleship is taking the life and teachings of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own, and in community with others, an important point, living, and I would add, and growing like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus. It's his work in us, but our willing response to the call. What a joy and delight to cooperate, to participate, to make it our goal to be his disciples. This is what happened actually on the birthday of the church in the book of Acts, chapter 2. This same Peter stood up to preach. It's not for just 12. It was for thousands who received that day the message. And he said, repent and be baptized. And these were thousands of disciples coming already early in the book of Luke. And then, excuse me, the book of Acts. And then Luke goes on to describe in Acts chapter 2, what do disciples do? Well, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All believers were together and had everything in common. They gave to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together, broke bread in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's a description of discipleship. That's what the early church was doing. We always like to say that. We want to be an Acts church, an early church. Well, what is it again? Committed to the words of Jesus and the teaching of the word. Committed to community, worship, fellowship, sharing the Lord's Supper. Committed to prayer. 
committed to caring for each other in body and spirit, committed to joyful life together. I think most of us are doing good parts of this discipleship, and a part of it comes on Sunday corporate worship, the Lord's Supper, prayer, worship, and praise. So they went to the temple every day and prayed. It also is in there. Corporate worship, yes, that's part of it. An intimate personal meditation, devotion, yes, it's part of it. I think John Cole will go on with this, but notice that it's also in group settings almost constantly and smaller settings. 3,000 of them weren't together every day. They were in their home. And I look at you friends, and some of you have uh, barbecues or campfires outside your house, or I play golf with some guys. Is that discipleship? Yes. They hear me when I get mass mad and miss the putt. Oh, dear. But that's part of discipleship. We have to be around each other and live and work and play together. <laughs> and we need small groups. And it was amazing for me to discover, and, and I'm supposed to be the director of small groups, I know we have our formal small groups. There's about eight or so or nine of those during the week or Sundays. We have um, our Sunday school classes, adult Sunday school classes. Uh, we could add those up. We also have a number of small prayer meetings. Men are meeting on Wednesday or on Thursday. We have prayer meetings in some of your departments that I don't even know about. We have today after the first service, several people came. You don't know about my little prayer group that we have. I don't. That's great. That's discipleship. I counted about 30 groups, including the young people who have their breakfast pancakes on Tuesday. That's discipleship. How many times do you find Jesus eating with people? And so meals together, fellowship, swimming pool parties, all that I think is part of the body of Christ, the church, rubbing together and helping each other to grow in Christ. And I encourage you, number one, invite some others who aren't. You know they're missing some of this. Maybe a step, a stretch for them to fellowship with you some way or a group of you. Or if you don't know of anything besides Sunday worship and would like a little time with some others, talk to me. I'll find somebody that would be nice to you. <laughs> I think we need this fellowship, and I'm thanking God that so much of it is going on. Have you found a place to be discipled? Have you made a commitment to seriously follow Jesus with the rest of us in the body of Christ? Now, one other aspect of this I just want to say is that discipleship involves, involves mentors or models, role models. I've heard of professional athletes who don't want to be role models. They want to be the beasts that they are and, and just live their own lives. But young people are looking at them. Well, it's the same with us. People are looking at us. Stop and think for a minute. Who in your life has been a model or a discipler for you? It may not be in the traditional sense. They may not have had a little book that said, here are 12 steps to discipleship. When we were reading Psalm 119, I was thinking, well, maybe you think this is all about rules, obedience to the rules. David talks about rules, rules, rules. I love your rules, Lord. And I've been studying a lot of books on discipleship. And yesterday, district conference, the buzzword was discipleship. Oh, dear, I'm preaching on it tomorrow. What am I going to say? I think it's so much more than rules. When God puts his spirit in our hearts, he dwells in our hearts and we love his word. 
So I don't think it's just rules. I think it's mentors. It's people who rub shoulders. Other disciples of Christ. Who was it in high school for you? Who was it in college for you? And a big disciple, character, person, people in your life are your parents. And the only illustration, well, one of the two illustrations today I have is on fathers. My own father. My father and mother went to Africa when I was already off to seminary. Went to Sierra Leone. Late in their lives. Already had their opinions, their likes, their favorite food, their favorite pillow and bed, their favorite everything. And they went to a country that was very different. People very different. And I said this in the early service. I say it cautiously, but missionaries are human. And um, other missionaries on the field have a life experience there, and they know all the wrong things about Sierra Leone or all the wrong things about their missionary colleague and who does discipling another way or church, plants churches another way or believes that schools is the way to win or deci- hospitals are the way to win. And, and even the local politicians, some who are not Christians, are just terrible people, and their culture and their food and their things are just all wrong and Here were 50, 60-year-old people going to Africa, and for eight years we got their blue air form letters. This is the dark ages for you college students when we didn't have internet, and they got air form letters. So every two weeks we'd hear a letter from my parents. I'm looking everywhere for wrong things about Africa, bad things about Africans. After all, they're a different culture and a different race, and they do things differently. and, And those colleagues of mine must be terrible people It was all positive. Every bit of it was positive. Until they died at 96 and 101, it was all positive. I never heard a bad word. It's like, I never heard a discouraging word. Is that some home on the range? My parents modeled a life without racism. I'm sorry, I think they actually had a life without racism. Even my Canadian dad, who loved great hymns, came back and said, you know, they sing and dance when they sing in Africa, and it's so great. They give their offering this way. Whoa, that was a conversion. Had no bad word about that music. In fact, he recorded it for eight years and sent it over to another radio station who beamed it back into Africa. All indigenous music from different languages. You don't hear it much more in Africa. Now they've gotten all contemporary with big loud guitars and electronic boom, boom, boom and Western music and that sweet indigenous music is still on recordings, at least from my father. What am I trying to say? My parents modeled an attitude of Christ about their colleagues, about people of another race and culture, about life. They didn't show pictures of the bathrooms in Africa for Pete's sake. Some of our missionary slideshows are wrong. That isn't what this is about. It's about loving God's people. Now I have to confess and in early service they laughed about this because they knew me well. I ain't there yet. I can still let slip out some things about people But boy, I had an example, and it was a human being who loved Christ, learned Christ, showed me Christ, and lived Christ in front of me. That's discipleship. That's what we need. Which brings us quickly to the last point. Aren't you glad? 
to, uh, if I can find it. <laughs> what did Jesus conclude his little fishing trip with? Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. The task, the work, the commission of discipleship. Maybe that's why we run from it. So Matthew 4 was this first slice of bread, and in the middle was the life of Jesus for three years, showing them how to be disciples. And at the end, the other slice of the sandwich is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Your disciples make more disciples. Now, we a lot of times think of that as, uh, you see the scripture there, we think of that as a missionary text for overseas if it's not news to you, if it's been thought that way, it's not news. It should, oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It should be not news to you today that this is for us right here and now. Huh? How's that? And look at how we do this. We do it in the authority of Jesus, the teacher. And we're disciples. And we go make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just on our own strength. So I invite you to invite others into your life, and some who are not in the church, some who are out there where you are. I told one other story, and I'll tell it here in this service. It was another father, and Gus Princell was in the service today with his son, John. I taught for, I don't know, 19 years at Houghton College missions courses, and I gave them all A's in my course, and I was considered an easy teacher. But I powered and pummeled a lot of missions into their heads, you know? And many of them went off into the world to be missionaries, some to Middle East, some to Africa, some to Eastern Europe. And I thought I was a pretty good teacher. And then they start coming back to Houghton to visit on homecomings and other things. You know where they go to visit? They make a beeline to Gus and Louise. Princell, old people who sit in their house and pray for them and write them letters and go to every chapel when they could. People in this community who just loved and devoured college students. And just this week, I learned of several others. Bethany Tennant in, 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 in Africa, East Africa. A hard time, tough time. You know, she's living by herself in a Muslim village. And they're writing to her and saying, hold on, care, God's taking care of you. And when she comes to visit last summer, where does she go? Well, the Aronsons, but also to Gus and Louise. And I could name half dozen easy who think of Gus and Louise as their disciples. And this is just my little commercial to add to you. Adopt some college students. Get around them. Be their friends. Even if you're a faculty member and have that formal relationship, Somewhere outside of class, welcome college students. That's our goal for this fall anyway. Now you've heard it from your college discipler pastor. <laughs> yes, we have to reach out to make disciples. So adopt children in our church, youth in our church, adults, other adults, those who seem maybe new and different. Have a heart to be Christ to others. Paul said it well. I follow my example as I follow Christ. That's our, that's our task. So I'm not perfect at it, but come along with me. I honestly can say there are doubts that sometimes strike us. 
but it's a couple of saints who are proof to me that Jesus is who he says he is. More than apologetic arguments, all the studies in seminary, it's been some saints, some ordinary people, including my father and mother, who've been through suffering and hardship, difficulties, questions, doubts, but there they go marching along, following Christ and bringing me along with them. That's what we need to be as a church in our world today. Imagine Jesus walking up to you and saying, Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of people. That's your D-Day. God calling you to follow him in discipleship and to join with the church locally and worldwide to make disciples of all people. You, too, are heroes. This world needs you, pointing the way and living the life of the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice of himself on the cross for our sins and for the whole world. Lord, help us to be disciples. Amen. Lord, we do commit to you our lives. Thank you for role models that we may have even thought of today who lived the life of Christ through the thin and thick of life in front of us. Some taught us, some modeled for us, some befriended us. Thank you for them. Thank you for our parents, those who modeled Christ. And Lord, make us your disciple-makers in our world as we move forward. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Go make disciples. Hear the words of the St. Paul. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think, according to the power that is work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all ages, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.